Pastor Ray Bentley wants us to be alert and aware of the times we're living in. You have been dropped into the greatest story in the universe. This is a day and an hour where anybody who has the Holy Spirit within them should be electrified. Every molecule of your being, if the Holy Spirit is in you, should be on high, high alert because the kingdom of God is coming. Spread the news All of His people come and bow before the King Lift your voice Jesus is coming Join the song Sing along Let it ring Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Someday soon, Jesus will make the grand entry we've been waiting for. The world won't be ready for him, but will we? To help us prepare, today Pastor Ray takes us to another entry of Jesus, his triumphal entry into Jerusalem during his final week. Glad you're along as Pastor Ray begins. Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 41, it says, now as he drew near, This is Jesus. He saw the city and he wept over it, saying, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. We are living in a time of visitation. This is a day and an hour where anybody who has the Holy Spirit within them should be electrified, should be absolutely awake. Every molecule of your being, if the Holy Spirit is in you, should be on high, high, high alert because the kingdom of God is coming. Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, is coming. He promised to return, and the signs of his return are literally all around the world. Are you guys ready? Are you excited? Yeah? We are living in incredible times, amazing times. Here, Jesus, we we see after the, as he's coming down the mountain, there's a certain point that he goes around the bend and he sees across the Kidron Valley and he sees the temple where after Jesus, you know, bashes all the money changers, he, he walks into the temple where the Holy of Holies is, where his father manifests his glory. The Shekinah is the Hebrew word for it. God dwells in light, unapproachable by men. And there where Jesus is standing there as man, God incarnate, the son in the presence. It's like father and son face to face. But as Jesus is riding down and he can see across the valley and see the temple mount there, he breaks down weeping. Now the crowd is rejoicing. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the disciples are are saying, Hosanna, Lord, you will save now. You will save your people. But Jesus is weeping. And this is a powerful, powerful story. You know, we read stories, we see stories in film and different things like that, but do you realize you have been dropped into the greatest story in the universe? 
You and I are central characters in a story so incredible. That's, this is the story the angels are reading in heaven. This is what they're watching from heaven. Peter says they, they are on you know, the edge, as it were, of their wings watching. They're watching us and watching what God is doing. G.K. Chesterton said, I had always felt life first as a story, and if a story, there is a storyteller. How many of you have ever gone to a movie and you got there about 10, 15 minutes late, you didn't want to, something, and you, get, and you walk into the movie and the movie's going and there's all kinds of action, but because you missed the first 10 or 15 minutes, you have absolutely no idea what's going on. How many, has that ever happened to anybody? Is that frustrating or what? And then the whole rest of the movie, you're trying to piece it together. What did we miss at the beginning? Well, in many ways, that's what life is like as a human being. <laughs> we have been dropped into a story that continued long before, going all the way back to Adam and Eve. And then we get in, here we are, dropped into the midst of this story, and we don't know all the details of what has gone on before us. And the Lord has made it so we, don't, we know some, kind of the outline of the future, but not enough that we can predict every little thing. We, why? Because God says, I am a God of the moment. I am, I live in the present. I want you to live this story walking with me. It's called walking with God, the greatest adventure. Abraham walking with God. And Jesus is the center of the story. The Father wants all of our hearts and all of our eyes fastened upon him. So I want you to imagine this as Jesus is now weeping over the city of Jerusalem. It's the second time that he wept openly. The first time was when actually only uh, a few days prior, he had raised Lazarus, his friend, from the dead. Oh, how awesome that must have been. How many wish you could have been there to see Lazarus raised from the dead? After four days. Martha, you know, she wanted Jesus to be there. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. She knew what power he had. But once he was dead, and you know, one day goes by, two days goes by, even three days, now it's the fourth day. And now Jesus says, where's the tomb? I'm gonna go, and, he, and he's acting like he's ready to do something. And, and she goes, it's been four days. In other words, decay has set in. I always like to say, methinketh, he stinketh by now. He's rotting, it's over. And Jesus says, I, Martha, am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. She goes, I know, Lord, that at the last day, all the dead will be raised. And she was a good Jew, and she believed in the scriptures that talked about a day way off in the future that the dead will be raised. But she goes, what about now, and how long will that be? See, in her theology, the resurrection was a magic day. But Jesus says, no, I am the resurrection and the life. He that liveth and believeth in me shall live forever. And, and I, what Jesus was really saying to her was, Martha, I am the last day. There's nothing magical about that day. The only significance to that day is me. I am the last day. I make the last day the last day. I am the resurrection. I'm the one that calls them forth. And then they go dramatically to the tomb and Jesus cries, Lazarus! Come forth! And Lazarus gets up after four days in his you know, mummified body, wrapped with all the spices and linens and everything else, and comes walking out of it. How weird was that? And I wonder, you know, coming, what is it like to be dead for four days? What is it like to come back to life and then be wrapped up with all this stuff around you, trying to talk, oh, 
get me out of here, you know? As he mum, you know, mumbles his way out to the front, Jesus says, unwrap him, unravel him. This is days before the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Jesus wept on that day. Now he wept quietly on that day. This day, several days later, the triumphal entry, as he comes down and sees Jerusalem and knows what's gonna happen to the city, he weeps openly as one mourns when your heart is broken and you've just lost your little boy or your little girl. He lamented loud cries. Again, I don't think people, even, it even registered with them. Have you ever had something that it's happening and it doesn't fit the scene, but you don't even think about it until hours or days later? Everybody else was so yelling and screaming and happy and excited, he's doing the messianic presentation. He's a Messiah, Woohoo! hallelujah. And then later thinking, you know, it sounded like somebody was crying. It even looked like Jesus on the little donkey was crying, he was. His heart was broken. Jesus had often asked the disciples, who do the people say that I am? And some of them said, they say you are Jeremiah, the prophet who has come again. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet, a very tender-hearted prophet. And Jeremiah had wept bitterly over the coming destruction of the city of Jerusalem. In other words, they looked at Jesus and said, you remind us of Jeremiah. Jonah had looked over the city of Nineveh and wanted it destroyed. Remember, he was angry. He couldn't wait for God to destroy all the wicked people. But Jesus saw the judgment coming over Jerusalem and it broke his heart. He was absolutely overcome with emotion. He says, if you had only known this, the hour of your visitation. Jesus wept because this nation was ignorant of their hour of visitation. God Almighty had come to the nation in flesh, physically, visibly, sitting on a donkey, as the prophet Zechariah had said, right in front of their eyes, they could touch him and they could hear him and they could see him and they could experience him. And they should have known. They should have known because God had given to them the word. They should have known who Jesus was. He had prophesied to them. He had sent messengers to prepare the way. They should have known what hour and what time it was. I believe with all my heart that we are living in the days leading up to the return of Jesus Christ. I believe this an hour of visitation. It is a time for the body and the bride to be alert. We don't know the day, we don't know the hour, but of the times and of the seasons, brethren, you shall not be ignorant that that day should overtake you as a thief in the night. You are the children of the light. You are not of the darkness. Therefore, be sober, be alert, be awake. For it's in such an hour as you think not, so the Son of Man comes. I wonder what is that in this time and in this generation that we should be awake to? What are we missing? What are we ignorant of this time of visitation in our own days? God has regathered the nation of Israel. She is surrounded by enemies. We need to pray and we need to fast and we need to seek the Lord for the salvation of the Jewish people and all of her neighbors that are there about and around, amen? This is the hour to pray for them and to love them. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. At Maranatha Radio, we've received so many cards, emails, and social media messages expressing appreciation for Pastor Ray's teaching. Pastor Ray was a true teacher of God's Word. I had found my church home with him. 
I just wish I'd gotten to know him before he passed. However, he taught me to love the Bible, which I am thankful for. I know that Pastor Ray is in the most glorious of places now. Pastor Ray's messages continue here on the radio thanks to the support from listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with Ray Bentley Ministries and Maranatha Radio, just go to our website at raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. As it was, there were those who rejected Jesus weeping on that little donkey that day because they had political ambitions. They said, this is not what we want. We want a political leader. We want a ruler. We want power. We want somebody to take Rome head on. We want to throw them off to the side. We want an economic restructuring. We want Israel to be raised up. Now, some of those things were prophesied and will come in the days of the kingdom. But Jesus had come bringing the more important issues than the economy and politics. He had come bringing the kingdom of the heart, of forgiveness, of love, of mercy, of grace, of worship, of spiritual reality, of truth, of relationship, of intimacy with God. That's God's priority, the heart first, and then everything else on the outside. As it was, the seeds of the ambition of that generation would play out ultimately in about 40 years. In 70 AD, the Romans would lay siege to the city of Jerusalem over 140 three days. They would come attacking and destroying, killing over 600,000 Jews, taking thousands more captive, destroying their temple and devastating the city of Jerusalem. And they were kicked out and were that way for almost 2,000 years until May 14th, 1948. Jesus saw that destruction coming because of the rejection of him. And he was weeping and he was brokenhearted. And I suggest to you that the tears of Jesus on that day were the tears of God Almighty Himself, broken for the rejection. Why did this all happen? Because the people of the world did not recognize that God had visited them. And I believe that the world is about to repeat history again. This world is in big trouble. The political systems the world has right now cannot sustain the weight of the nations and the people and the population of the seven billion people on this planet. The economies cannot sustain it. It's all going to come down. Politically, it will crumble. Economically, it's going to fall apart. If we do not turn our, this is the hour to look up. This, our only hope is to look up, amen? and call upon the name of the Lord. John chapter one, verses 11 and 12 says, he came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as did receive him to them, he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. The most important question today is not can we save democracy? It's not can we save capitalism? Can we save the economies of the world? The most important question is, Can we be saved individually as human beings? And the answer is yes. The greatest thing that can happen is that you would open the door of your heart and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Jesus said, I stand at every human heart and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and will open the door, I will come in. And in a few moments when we close, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to pray and receive Christ and know that no matter what happens, come what may, You can spend eternity with God 
and in heaven and have your sins forgiven. Romans chapter 11, verses 25 through 27 says, For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion. He will turn away ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. God is bringing the gospel, the whole gospel to the whole world. He's moving throughout the world. I've been telling you about what he's doing in Iran, what, even in Iraq. Uh, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of Muslims and Arabs and even Persians who are coming to Christ. And there is even a great revival that is begun among the Jewish people in the land of Israel, even at this very hour. We're in the last days. It is the last day's great harvest. And the God is bringing them in from every nation, every language, every kindred, every tribe. And the most important question is, make sure you're in the ark, as it were, of salvation before the final judgment of God falls upon the earth. Let's close with verses 45 through 48. It says in verse 45, Then he went out into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, It is written, My house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And he was teaching daily in the temple. But the chief priests, the scribes, and the leaders of the people sought to destroy him and were unable to do anything, for all the people were very attentive to him. Jesus brought social justice to the temple and to the city of Jerusalem. I call it here clearing the court of evangelism. Where Jesus turned over the money changers and, and all of that, where was that? It was called the court of the Gentiles. Now Jesus had spent the night after the you know, Palm Sunday, he had gone back to the Mount of Olives, spent the night up on the hill of the Mount of Olives in Bethany. And then the next morning, he came across the Kidron, back up Mount Zion, and back into the temple precincts. He came to the court of the Gentiles. On his way, he cursed a fig tree to show what was going to happen with the nation and then how in the last days God would revive that fig tree as Jesus talks about in the Olivet Discourse. The great sign of his coming again was the rebirth of the fig tree and the blossoming of the fig tree, speaking of the nation of Israel. But then he went into the temple and he began to cleanse it, knocking over the money changers' tables in the court of the Gentiles. Why? This was the only place on the top of the mountain, the holy mountain, representing the relationship between God and men, where Gentiles from any nation across the earth that was pagan, believed in many gods or multiple gods or didn't believe in any gods at all, could rub shoulders with Jews. God's purpose and will for the court of the Gentiles, for Jewish men and women who worship God and love God to witness of the truth of the one living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all the rest are idols, and to encourage people to know him and to love him and to fall in love with him, to witness to them. The court of the Gentiles was to be the, the court of evangelism to the nations. God sent Israel to be a light to the nations. Instead, they turned it into a place to make merchandise. Oh, we can't do it here where the court of the Jews and the men and the priests is. We'll do it with all the filthy Gentiles. So they're making money and taking a little bit extra from all the people. 
because they had all these various currencies, right, from around the world, and then there was only a certain kind of tax that was allowed, the Hebrew tax, so you could bring your offering to God. And so they said, oh, you've traveled a long way, pilgrim, but I can exchange your money, what will be acceptable to the priests inside. It'll just cost you one little, you know, farthing, or ma, as they called it. But they were making money. And it made Jesus upset to turn worship and opportunity to witness into a place where they were literally making merchandise off unbelievers on top of that, or in the area where unbelievers were witnessing what the Jewish people were doing. So rather than praying for the people in the court of the Gentiles, they were praying on people and taking advantage of them. And they had turned the house of prayer into a den of thieves. Jesus restores it. And what does Jesus do? He turns over all their money changers tables so all their coins go everywhere, scatters the whole thing. And then he goes to various people and begins to touch them and lay hands upon them and pray for the sick and minister to those who are suffering and those who had various afflictions. He turns the court of the Gentiles into what God intended it to be. He was the true Jew who fulfilled the Torah, who lived in love and worship and touching the nations and touching the children of Israel and blessing them in the name of the Lord. He restored it to what God's original intention was. Now his enemies still wanted to get their hands on him and they wanted to kill him and they wanted to destroy him. But even then, his hour had not yet come. You remember their Palm Sunday was the 10th of Nisan and from the 10th of Nisan, which was Lamb Selection Day for all the Jews, you then had four days after that where the lamb had to be set aside and tested to see if it had any spot or blemish. If it made it through the next four days without any spot or blemish, it was then declared totally pure and totally without spot or blemish and was then worthy to be then sacrificed on Passover. This was the first day of Jesus, the Passover lamb's testing. And he cleansed the temple, he healed the sick, he passed the test. He brought the truth of the Word of God. He proved himself over the next several, those four days, to be without spot or blemish. And he also showed that he was in control. They would spend the next four days arguing with him, trying to trap him into saying something that they could take him and arrest him and ultimately put him to death for. But every single time they failed. And even when, so his hour had not yet come, and even when his hour came and he finally surrendered to them and gave up his body as the Passover lamb and allowed them to take him and crucified him, he said, no man takes my life, I lay it down willingly, he was still in control. And he laid down his life for you and me. Oh, the courage of the Messiah, the Son of God, for you and for me, nothing deterred him, nothing. He never turned his back upon coming for you and I who are lost little lambs, lost men and women. He went all the way to Calvary, all the way to the cross, all the way to death. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. He was in charge and in control until he commended his spirit into the arms of his Father who then took him and received him up into heaven. And because Jesus is received, you and I can be received. And you and I now can have eternal life because of him. Amen. Pastor Ray Bentley with important insights on our standing before God because of our Savior. Good insights from Luke chapter 19 today here on Maranatha Radio. Today's study is titled, Courage is Found in Love. 
If you missed any part of the message, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. When you get to the homepage, you can leave a tribute to Pastor Ray's life and service to the Lord. Also, click the word media and you'll see the words watch, radio, and Devo. Three engaging ways you can enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can link to Pastor Ray's Facebook page, his podcast, his YouTube channel, and Twitter feed. And then after 30 years on the radio and the passing of Pastor Ray Bentley in early 2022, we're approaching the end of the Maranatha radio program. We'd like to thank you, our dedicated listeners, who've joined us through the years as we've journeyed with Pastor Ray through the Bible. We'll be continuing the broadcast through the remainder of 2023, but we're excited to share that we'll have a dedicated online location to access all of Pastor Ray's content, including video, audio sermons, books, and more. Please visit raybentley.com to follow along with us. But we hope you'll stay with us here on the radio through the end of the year. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of Luke. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.